Thank you to the one power, the one source of all creation, the beloved Mother, Father, God, that created the heavens and the earth, the stars and the galaxy, that has created all of existence. I recognize that I, as well as all my brothers and sisters, having this human experience to be the beloved children of God. Thank you, God. I know this message will reach those who need to hear it the most, who need the healing, who need the encouragement, who need to know that they're loved, that they're respected, that they have purpose. Thank you, God. Thank you for being with us during this hour, during this time, and during this life. Thank you for this world of abundance and the gifts that you bring us each and every day. I now release this prayer into that of the universal law. I joyously let go. Thank you, God. Thank you, spirits. And thank you, angels. And so it is. Hello and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Warrior of Light podcast. I'm your host, White Wolf. And today's episode, Healing of the Brotherhood. All right, welcome back, everybody, to another exciting episode. So this episode really goes out to my brothers. Not to exclude you, my sisters, but... Me being a man, it's easier to get this message out directly to my bros, my brothers. We got to talk about, y'all heard why we'll say this before. We are in the middle of a giant spiritual war. The good versus evil. And we have to start understanding things on a next level in terms of energy, frequency, and vibration. Because right now, the terms good and evil, we have them in the subjective, opinionated type of concept where the energy that you are vibrating at and producing, that matters. And so we are really able to classify things. When we talk about good versus evil, it's more of, are we opening ourselves up to the limitless possibilities that are all around us? Or are we closing ourselves down to be controlled and ruled? So today, we're going to talk about healing. Well, what is healing? Healing is the process of expanding ourselves, expanding our energy in order to gain a greater understanding of ourselves, of the world, of God. It's starting to see past the illusions that this plane of reality creates because on this plane we have to have certain types of concepts there are certain types of constructs in place 
but when we're able to start looking past this by healing ourselves, by opening up our energy centers, our energy networks, our body, our mind, our emotions, and our life force, we are able to start experiencing this world in a whole new ballpark. It's not even the same. Like, guys, we have to open up our energy. We have to expand. We have to heal because our current concept of what this life is is nowhere near the realities of our true potential that we hold. So, by healing ourselves, by healing our bodies, we make it strong, firm. We take care of our organs. We make sure that our organs are functioning properly that our body is functioning properly. And then we're learning how to not only have it function properly, but to use the energy within our body, our organs, our muscles, our tendons, in a whole different manner. That is so next level. We have to talk about that when we start reaching level three. All right, same thing with our mind. Dudes, our mind creates our reality. Our mind is one of the most important tools and most incredible tools that we possess. The power of mental transmutation is so extraordinary because our thoughts are energy. Images in our, in our mind is energy. And when we're starting to intentionally enhance the amount of energy we're putting into our thoughts we're able to start using certain thought patterns to link our energy in a way that transmutes into a very powerful extension of ourselves it's so next level that it for us to understand we have to start working through it. Most of the concepts that we talk about, most of the concepts to reaching that higher level of human potential requires a lot more of just experiencing it. Because if we just talk about it and we just talk and talk and talk, we get to this place now where we see that people don't believe or understand the real possibilities that we hold. In fact, right now we're on such a downward spiral because of the ideologies and the programming that we have to lead by example and actually show what is happening when we are using mental transmutation. Our emotions are clear signs and indicators for us. They're there to guide us. They're there to enhance us. There is so many different aspects that our emotions do for us. That we have to be real. Because our emotions matter. And our thoughts matter. And our body matters. When we talk about healing, let's talk about ancestral healing. Let's talk about generational curses for a sec. When we do things like sin, definition of sin, 
anything that causes you negative emotions, negative feelings, negative thoughts, negative types of lower vibrational frequencies. When we are sinning and we create a lifestyle around sinning, this affects our family, it affects our kids. It affects our kids in such a huge drastic way that even though we can do our very best, if we are full of toxicness, if we're full of negative energy, if we are living in a lower vibrational state, the amount of damage that we are causing to those around us, we won't understand what we're doing. We will be pushing people away. We will be destroying the foundational network that holds everything together. When we start committing ourselves to sin and spreading ill will and violence, well, that's what we're going to get in return. Then we have a society and a world of ill will, violence, and destruction. And as we can look around, we're seeing this play out in real time because of how we are behaving, how we are treating ourselves, how we are treating each other. And so we really got to get to a place where we work on these aspects of ourselves. This is why healing is so important. Because for us to shift things in this ethereal world, everything first starts from within. We have to start with our mental state first, because our mind is going to control our emotions. Now, here's a little caveat. A strong body helps with a strong mind. They are all interconnected. We cannot be separating our souls in these types of matters. Yes, we are not the body. Yes, we are not the mind. And yes, we are not the emotions. We are something so much deeper. But while we are operating on this plane, all of these factors are intertwined amongst one another. And so if we are hurting in one of these areas, it affects the other areas pretty self, pretty simple stuff. Okay, now that we've gone ahead and beat the dead horse that your body, mind, emotions all matter, let's go ahead and get into a little bit of philosophy. Let us discuss the four ways on how to defeat your enemy. Once upon a time, there was a group of noblemen sitting in an old-timey Chinese tea house. Now, the head of these noblemen was a very famous merchant. His name is Zazu. Now, Zazu and his associates are sitting around this table, and they're drinking tea. And Zazu asks his associates, how can we defeat the king? His first associate goes, Let us poison his food. Before he knows it, he'll drop dead before us. <laughs> Zazu, intrigued by this idea, gives a slight head nod of approval. 
The second associate says, Let us spread rumors and ruin his reputation amongst the people. <laughs> Before he knows it, all will have turned against him. <laughs> Zazu, looking at his associate, gives a great head nod of approval. The third associate says, let us go to his closest allies and manipulate them to conquering the king for us. Betrayal from his closest followers will lead us to pure victory. <laughs> Zazu, also liking this idea, looks at his third associate and gives him a great nod of approval. Now, in the back of the tea house sat a wise man. This wise man overheard their conversation, decided to get up and walk over to Zazu and his associates. My good sirs, I could not help but overhear your conversation. It looks like y'all could use a little assistance on how to defeat your enemy. Zazu looks up at the wise man and says, Huh, not just any enemy, the king. We plan on taking all for ourselves. And if you got something to say about it, I dare you to try right here, right now. The wise man, feeling the hostilities coming from Zazu and his associates, reassures them, Please, gentlemen. I am just a humble wise man who has come to try to give you some advice. Let me explain to you the four ways on how to defeat your enemy. Zazu, looking at the wise man, gives him a head nod of approval to continue. Well, you see, my kind sirs, the first way to defeat your enemy is to physically kill him. However, if you fail to kill him, there is a great chance that he will grow stronger and come after you in the long run. The second way how to defeat your enemy is that you spread rumors with lies and manipulation amongst those who need him the most to those who are his supporters. However, those lies and manipulation, if not done correctly, have a great chance of turning right back around on you and you facing the consequences instead. The third way of how to defeat your enemy is you go to his closest allies and associates and you spread rumors of deceit anguish, manipulation, hatred, and greed. You must have those closest to him turn against him. However, just as in the second way, if your lies and manipulation are to fail, then you will receive the backlash tenfold. And the final way of how to defeat your enemy is that you conquer your enemy's mind 
and have him lose the will to fight and continue. Now Zazu, being the man that he is, was very intrigued by the fourth way of how to corrupt his mind. Oh, wise man, I really appreciate your help, but how can I conquer my enemy's mind? Well, you must get close to your enemy. You must be by his side day and night. And over time, you will corrupt his mind with negativity, self-loathing, self-doubt, self-hatred. You must have him turn on himself. Sazu looked up at the wise man and gave his thanks and appreciation. But wise man, why would you choose to help me when you know we are coming for the king? The wise man looked up at Zazu and just gave him a very gentle, kind-hearted grin and walked away. Zazu, puzzled by this wise man's actions, just brushed it off. And he was excited, excited to go to the king and try out his plan for real. So, the very next day, Zazu goes straight up to the king and throws himself at his feet. Oh, my lord. Oh, I have been so wrong to have been hating on you. Oh, please forgive me. I have made a new leaf. I am a changed man. Please take me under your wing and guide me to salvation. The king, puzzled by Zazu's sudden change of heart, looked at him questionably. However... The king's heart, full of kindness and compassion, could not turn away Zazu. He knew that there was good inside of everybody. And so, he took Zazu underneath his wing, and he told him to follow him day and night. And so, as days went by, Zazu followed the king, watching as he interacted with the village people, watching how he showed compassion and kindness to the poorest individual, speaking life and hope to everybody he passed, seeing how he solved any issue that came his way and how the village people respected and loved him so. Day in and day out, Zazu seen the amazing actions of the king. And day in and day out, Zazu's anger, hatred, and corruption faded and faded and faded. Until one day, Zazu can no longer take it. He ended up throwing himself to the knees of the king once again. Oh, my Lord, I cannot hide from you any longer. My intentions for you were not pure. I had seeked to sow seeds 
of self-loathing and self-doubt amongst your mind. I had sensed that there is no way a man could be as great as you. But day in and day out, you showed me the power of love, of compassion, of kindness, of mindfulness, of patience, of honor, of respect. And I can no longer hold this truth from you. I can no longer try to tear you down. I ask for your forgiveness and I ask to be a real student of your teachings. The king looked at Zazu and gave him one of the biggest, warmest smiles that Zazu had ever seen. My dear friend, I knew from the very beginning that your intentions were not pure. However, I know from the teachings of the Buddha, from the teachings of Jesus Christ, from the teachings of Krishna, that love, compassion, joy, and peace has the power to transform anybody. And I'm glad that now you realize that that love lives in you. And from that day on, the merchant Zazu became the sage Zazu, spreading the teachings of the king, the teachings of the Buddha, the teachings of Jesus Christ, the teachings of Krishna, of love, compassion, wisdom, patience, and faith. And so, we end our story here. When trying to defeat your enemy, understand that whatever attempt you make, whether to physically harm him or her, whether to tear down their reputation, whether to tear down their closest allies, or whether trying to conquer their mind. Love and compassion has the power to transmute any weapon into that of love. And so, the reason we are discussing this story, the reason why I'm telling this story, is because men, ladies, everybody, we have to be real about what's going on around us. We have to be real on how to protect yourself. Because at any point, if we choose to give up our power, if we choose to walk the path of sin, of darkness, then there is no way to protect ourselves from our enemy. But with love, compassion, wisdom, values, real values, 
the type of values that give you the direction, the character to walk this plane and to make it beautiful. There is nothing that can stop you. <sighs> all right. So, all right. Now that we discuss on how to defeat your enemy or how to protect yourself from your enemy, we'll dive in a little bit deeper into the body, mind, emotions. The mind. Before we get into mental transmutation, imagine your mind as a jar. Now, in this jar, you have different sized rocks. The largest rocks are those things you hold the most valuable. Those things you cherish the most. You have to put those rocks in the jar first. The next rocks are a little bit smaller. They're those things that are pretty nice. They still have a little bit, they still have value to them, but they're not the top priority. They're not the things that we really care about to the fullest extent. But then they go in the jar next. Now we start getting down to some pebbles. Now these pebbles are things that we value, that we like, but aren't really important. They're like, eh. And so then they go in the jar next. Then we have some sand. Now the sand are those things that we don't really care for too much, that aren't the most important and sometimes can just distract us. But because of the fineness of the sand, they fill up the space, the tiny little crevices. And so our jar is just about full. But then let's go ahead and let's pour some water into our jar. The water fills up the rest of the space that is not occupied by the sand, by the pebbles, by the smaller rocks, by the larger rocks. And this represents more of those things that we don't like. More of the things that we try to stay away from, but can easily creep through and have access to parts of our mind. The thing is, once our jar is full, there's no more space for any more larger rocks. There's no more space for any more smaller rocks. Once our jar has all these things inside of it, there's no way of putting in more information. There's no way of increasing or adding on to 
into things that we might want to grow and expand in. And so, what we must all eventually do is empty the jar and then refill the jar. Now, when we empty the jar and we're choosing what to refill the jar with, if we fill it with sand and water first, there will be no space for our rocks. So as we live our daily lives and we're choosing what goes in and out of our minds, let us make sure that we put the things we value the most first. Let us fill our jar with the big rocks first. <sighs> now that being said, let us talk a little bit more about mental transmutation. Actually, before we get into the discussion of mental transmutation, first we gotta talk a little bit about the mind in terms of attachment. Once upon a time, there were two monks walking down a stone pathway. As these monks walked, up ahead they could see a very beautiful woman. Now, because of these monks' background, they had made the choice to not touch, to not talk to, to not interact with any woman. As these two monks approached the woman, they could see that she is stuck, that the path ahead has become overflown with water. The younger of the two monks hesitates and he starts doing mental gymnastics in his mind on what to do. The older brother instantly picks up the woman and carries her across the overflown path. He sets her down on the other side. She gives him her thanks and she continues on her way. The two brothers then continue their journey. As the brothers are walking, the younger brother is filled with confusion, anguish, disgust, and a little bit of hatred. As the sun starts to set and the moon rises high in the sky, the younger brother cannot contain it any longer. He approaches his older brother. He asks him, Brother, why did you help the woman today? Why did you touch her? Why did you carry her across the water? Have you no shame? Have you no, no dedication to our vows? The Buddha has always taught us the importance of his teachings. What do you have to say for yourself, brother? The older brother looks at his younger brother with compassion and love. And he says to his brother, Brother, 
The Buddha has always taught us the power of compassion, of love, of selfless service, whether it be man, woman, or child. Now, when I picked up the woman, I had dropped her off back over by the overflown water. However, you, brother, are still carrying the woman in your mind. You're allowing your feelings to build, to turn to anguish and disgust. The Buddha has always taught us the power of love. And that is what we spread no matter what. And so, the younger brother then looks at his brother in complete awe, realizing that he's let the woman build up feelings of disgust over his older brother, that he's allowed himself to become confused by his own vows and belief system, when it is true that the Buddha has always preached and taught the power of love, of compassion under any circumstance. The younger brother then goes and retreats to deep meditation for contemplation. The moral of this story is that even though we might set things back down. It's easy for us to carry things in our mind. It's easy to sometimes become confused by our own limiting beliefs. It does not matter, be it man, woman, or child. We are all equal, born under the same sun. However, the power of love and compassion is owed to all. So, as we move forward and we go about our daily lives, sometimes we have some scars from the past. Sometimes we have a lot of hurt feelings that we're still carrying around with us in our minds. But we have to remember that the events of the past happened in the past. And it's okay for it to stay in the past. And so that concludes our story with the two monks and the beautiful young lady. So now towards mental transmutation but before we get there we must first discuss value once upon a time there was a young monk who went and visited a zen master master what is the greatest value in my life the zen master looked at the young monk and told him to go to the garden and to grab a stone. 
Tomorrow, you are to take this stone down to the marketplace, hold up two fingers, and not say a word. If someone tries to bargain with you, do not sell the stone, but bring it back here, and I will tell you what is the greatest value in your life. So, the next day, the young monk heads on down to the marketplace with the stone. He holds up his two fingers, and he waits patiently. Before he knows it, a young, beautiful, intelligent, respectful housewife comes up to the Zen mess, comes up to the young monk, and she asks, How much for the stone? The monk holds up the two fingers. She goes, Two dollars? Ooh, the monk, not saying a word, shakes his head and holds up his two fingers. Twenty dollars? Well, I can use this stone to mash vegetables, I assume. And so the monk thinks to himself, I cannot believe this person is willing to spend twenty dollars on a stone when we have so many stones in our garden. As the sun starts to set, the young monk goes back to the Zen master. Master, you won't believe it! Somebody was willing to pay $20 for this useless stone. The Zen master looks up at the young monk. Okay, tomorrow I want you to take this stone down to the museum. I want you to hold up two fingers and not say a word. If someone tries to bargain with you, I want you to not sell the stone, but to bring it back here, and I will tell you what is the greatest value in your life. And so, the next day, the young monk goes down to the museum, and he stands there and he holds up his two fingers. Before he knows it, a large crowd of people surround him. People are in awe by this monk and his stone. They start shouting out, $2,000 for a stone. I want that stone. That stone is mine. The monk cannot believe his ears. Somebody is willing to pay $2,000 for this useless stone. As the sun starts to set, he goes back to his master. Master, you won't believe it. Somebody was willing to pay me $2,000 for this stone. Can you now tell me what is the greatest value in my life? The Zen master looks at the young monk and he tells him, All right, tomorrow I want you to take this stone down to the old antique shop. I want you to hold up two fingers and not say a word. If someone tries to bargain with you, I want you to not sell the stone, but to come back here. And then I will tell you what is the greatest value in your life. So, the next day, the young monk goes down to the old antique shop. 
and this time a very large crowd surrounds the young monk. Oh, people are in awe and amazed by this beautiful stone. They're like, I must have the stone. $200,000 for the stone right now. I must have it. The monk is in complete disbelief that somebody would pay $200,000 for this useless stone. So... The sun starts to set. He goes back to his Zen master. And he tells him, Master, you will not believe somebody is willing to pay $200,000 for this useless stone. Can you now tell me what is the greatest value in my life? The Zen master looks at the young monk with compassion in his heart. My child, your life's value is like the stone. If you place yourself in a vegetable market, you're worth $20. If you place yourself in a museum, you're worth $2,000. If you place yourself in an antique shop, you're worth $200,000. Different platforms and positions bring different values to your life. Life is full of possibilities, and we all have the power to shape our own journey. Nothing is set in stone. We must remember. Our worth can change on where we stand and choices we make. Sometimes we get stuck in places that don't truly value our potential. It's important to ask, are we in the right place surrounded by the right people? Are we allowing ourselves to shine? Or are we hiding in the shadows of self-doubt and fear? To truly find our worth, we must believe in ourselves and recognize it in our hearts first. Otherwise, no one else will recognize it. The young monk finally understanding his value. Thanks, the Zen master. And he goes off into deep meditation to contemplate his next moves. And so, brothers, you know, we have a lot of these different interpretations nowadays of what a high value person is or these different types of ideologies. But the truth is, each and every single one of us already has a limitless amount of value. It's just understanding how to tap into it, how to recognize it yourself, and to be confident enough 
to walk in your power, to walk in your purpose, to walk in your value. And so that concludes our second story. Or actually, I think it's like our third or fourth story. (laughs) We're about to wrap this up here. But, all right. So, I don't think we'll make it to the mental transmutation in this episode. We're going to bring it to a close with one more very important story. This story is called The Three Laughing Monks. Once upon a time, in ancient China, there lived three old monks. These monks are known as the Three Laughing Monks. They always traveled together and did nothing more than laugh. They would enter a village, stand in the center square, and start laughing. Slowly but surely, the people conducting business and on their way passing by would begin to laugh too. Soon, a small crowd of laughter would form. Then the laughter would spread through the entire town and everybody in the village and town would be laughing. That was the moment the three monks would move from one village to the next. Their laughter was their only prayer and their only teaching. They never spoke to anyone and all over China, they were loved and respected. For many years, they traveled from village to village until one day, one of them had died. The people were shocked and came running from far and wide. What they witnessed from this dramatic event was the other two monks laughing even harder. They were laughing and laughing and could not stop. So, a few of the kind-hearted people approached them and asked, why are you not mourning your deceased friend? And for the first time, one of the monks spoke. For you see, Yesterday, on our way to your beautiful village, our friend here proposed a bet on which one of us would beat the other two and die first. And now, the old rogue, he's gone up and won. He even had a chance to prepare a testament. You see... The tradition required the dead body to be washed and the clothes to be changed before putting them on the funeral pyre. But the old monk, explicitly, explicitly, 
asked to leave the old clothes on him, since he had never been filthy for a single day. In his testimony, he wrote, I never allowed any of the filth of this world to reach me through my laughter. So they followed his request. And as the fire was lit, suddenly fireworks of all shapes and all colors rose high in the sky, covering every inch of the sky. The people finally gathered around the two remaining monks and joined in on the laughter. So, this concludes our story and the important message of this story. That as we go through our life, each and every one of us go through our lives and we face challenges and tribulations. We have our moments of ups and downs. We can be tempted in many ways to be taken off our path. We can be hurt. We can be offended. But at the end of the day, we choose how we respond. We choose to not allow the darkness of this world to corrupt our hearts. We choose to stand and spread the love and light of this universe. Because at the end of the day, no matter what, no matter if we all were to die at this very moment, the purity in our hearts and our souls will be with us for all eternity. And so, yeah. I really wanted to get to some of the other topics like mental transmutation and talking about the actual amount of information that's held in our bodies and going through our emotions, but we'll save that for the next episode. This episode is about reflection. Here's the thing. We are at moment in human history a very incredible and amazing moment knowledge not applied is completely useless knowledge applied is power and power corrupts absolutely. 
when we empower an individual with the wrong type of identity, a concept of separation that is merely an illusion. We end up with issues we see in history, like the Holocaust, like much, much suffering. And so we need to develop wisdom for wisdom is knowledge applied that helps everybody involved, that helps ourselves, that helps the world. Wisdom is a key that unlocks the human potential in a way that saves the world. And so, my brothers, I know it's been hard. I know the things you've been told. I've known the ideologies that's been placed on us. And I want to say, I want you to hear and understand. Love yourself. Forgive yourself. Life is meant to be enjoyed. Yes, we have many responsibilities we must handle. Yes, we might have to go through hell and fire itself. But we do it with a purpose, a purpose to give these kids a future, to give the next seven plus generations a future that is beautiful, that they can enjoy, a future that we all can enjoy. So, don't let the darkness of this world tear you down. Don't let it put an ideology in you that you have to be a certain way, that your value depends on what you can provide for other individuals, that financially is not just that we all are so much more and we as men have a special role damn right we're the protectors we're the protectors of our family we're the protectors of our spirits we're the protectors of this world And as we see corruption trying to run amok, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. For when we walk with God, 
when we walk with love, with compassion, with wisdom, with honor, with respect, with integrity, with a type of will that moves hell and high water for the betterment of everybody. We cannot be stopped. And so family, brothers, I'm gonna leave this here for this episode. Let us heal. Let us grow. Let us be strong enough to not let the filth of this world damper our spirits. And until the next exciting episode of the Warrior of Light podcast, You are loved. You are worthy of love. Let us all spread love. And have a blessed day.